Hi, my name's Paul Malin. Welcome to the Life and Death of a Tax Investigation. Throughout this series of podcasts, we will consider the beginning, the middle and the end of a tax investigation. During the Life and Death of a Tax Investigation, we'll cover topics such as answering the initial challenge by HMRC, how to work out penalties, and then how to make a disclosure to HMRC. You can contact me for further clarification either on 07979 313 010 or my email address paul at pmc.tax. Thank you for listening. In this podcast, I'd like to talk about penalties. Penalties can be in various forms. They can be fixed penalties, a bit like a speeding ticket, if you will. So the amount is fixed and it's for a penalty for any irregularity like that. Or they can be tax geared. So depending on to what extent HMRC has lost revenue, they hire the penalty, they're tax geared penalties. Penalties, in my opinion, should be considered almost at the very beginning of an investigation. If you leave it till the end, you've got nothing to demonstrate to HMRC that your behaviour as a taxpayer has changed. And that is the whole purpose of levying a penalty to change the behaviour of a taxpayer. I'm not suggesting that you might continue to defraud HMRC by whatever has gone on beforehand, but you need to make sure that you are now submitting any tax return, be it a VAT return, pays your own liabilities, etc., all on time, not only submitting, but paying them as well. So you need to show a changed behaviour. So for my clients, I try to educate them that, okay, we're not going to dwell too much on the past other than to report all the relevant facts to HMRC, but we are going to demonstrate, well, okay, today what I'm doing is dot, dot, dot. So penalties. Most of the expensive penalties are when they're tax geared because the fixed penalties are typically £100 or £500. Not an insignificant sum for some people, but when you've got a taxpayer that may owe £100,000 or a million pounds or whatever, then a £500 penalty pales into insignificance. So in order to reduce penalties, we need to show a change in behaviour. HMRC have categorised people's behaviour into various forms, such as in the most heinous occasion. It's something that a taxpayer has done in the past that was deliberate, and they then went on to conceal it. So, for example, they have suppressed their income and then put that income into an offshore bank account. Sometimes Switzerland, it can be anywhere in the world. So you're trying to throw HMRC off the trail. To change that behaviour, all you need to do is to start declaring all the income. Obvious for some people, but not always practical. And you need to be able to say, well, there are no hidden bank accounts. Here's a list of my bank accounts. Here are the statements. So it's a change in behaviour. If we step down from behaviour that is deliberate and concealed, The next one, according to HMRC, is deliberate. So there's no concealment, but nevertheless, the taxpayer still did it. 
and did it deliberately. What you can't argue successfully with HMRC is that you've accidentally committed tax fraud. That's not possible. In terms of the other categories, there's not taking reasonable care, which is the lowest category of behaviour. And then the other one is careless behaviour. Now, the significance of careless is such that HMRC look at the worst position and scale down. So my attitude is to understand where HMRC is coming from, from day one, in terms of their perceived behaviour of the taxpayer and try to bring it down. So if they perceive the taxpayer to have done something deliberately, which is typical in my job because I deal with taxpayers who have committed the tax fraud, then is there an argument to say that the behaviour is not across the board? Because rarely do I find a taxpayer has made an error, deliberate or otherwise, in just one area. They tend to have done, got something else wrong as well. So if I can split the behaviour across the different categories, so much the better. And that is called layering the penalties. It's not always possible, but it, it is available. And then, although we can't do anything about tax fraud being deliberate, we might be able to argue that other irregularities are no more than careless. The benefit of which is that the careless penalty is far lower than the deliberate penalty. Moreover, a careless penalty can be suspended. Now there is an art in how to go about getting the penalty suspended, but it's like having a suspended prison sentence. In other words, unless you commit exactly the same offence again, the penalty, although it's been calculated, is never payable, which is good news for the taxpayer. There are other categories that we have to consider, and that is whether or not the matter under discussion, be it deliberate or whatever, is prompted or unprompted. Prompted is where perhaps HMRC have issued a letter to the taxpayer and has said, we believe that you've got undeclared income. That is what they call a prompt, and it's down to the taxpayer then to respond and say, no, you're wrong, or yes, you're right, or somewhere between the two. Let me explain, for example. Otherwise, it's an unprompted disclosure by which, unless the taxpayer comes forward here and now, HMRC would not have known that there was an irregularity. So they weren't onto you, shall we say. In terms of the penalty percentages, there is quite a big difference. So if it's an unprompted disclosure that happens to be classified as careless, the penalty range is between 0 and 30-30%. So for example, if the tax due as a result of the irregularity is £10,000, then the penalty is between 0 and £3,000 if it's an unprompted disclosure. By comparison, the same matter, if the only difference is being prompted, 
is that the penalty range increases to 15% to 30%. So using the same example of figures, there is something payable, it's no longer zero, and it's a min minimum of £1,500 to £3,000. And that is what is negotiable. Whilst we're talking about negotiations, a lot of taxpayers are wrong to think that a penalty starts at zero and works upwards towards 100. It actually is the other way around. It starts at 100 and it's then mitigated, reduced, because of what can be explained. So, for example, if something has been unprompted, you simply remind HMRC that, well, I came forward and you didn't know what had gone on. So the penalty comes down to the range, as I said, of zero to 30%. If it's careless, you don't start at zero and work up. In terms of penalties, a lot of taxpayers and sometimes advisors will consider a penalty at the end. So people are more focused on, firstly, all the administration, getting the client registered for VAT if they were unregistered, for example, then gathering together all the relevant facts, how many years, which taxpayers, what tax rates, etc. Then perhaps preparing a report, documenting it all down, so that HMRC can read the report and either agree with everything that's put there and therefore accept the calculations or pick up and seek further explanation on certain further items. And then at the end of the day, consider penalties. Now the timescales for a typical job that I work on, it can take at least six months. So it's only in the sixth month that people start to think about penalties. To my mind, you're not showing that change of behaviour for a further six months. So again, that is why I always look at penalties, what HMRC are considering at the beginning and start to make the change so that I can demonstrate that as soon as we've been contacted by HMRC, the taxpayer's behaviour has indeed changed. It saves you money at the end of the day. Another consideration is where the irregularity has occurred. Now, not everything is done on the UK mainland. The taxpayer can live in the UK, can work in the UK, but not necessarily all the time. The taxpayer may have an overseas asset, a bank account, uh, a chateau in France perhaps, or whatever. That's when I have to consider differently that there are different levels of penalty for offshore matters. So a moment ago I said the lowest penalty is zero and the highest penalty is 100%. That only applies to UK matters. If we go overseas, so again, there's income from perhaps a French chateau with a French bank account to pay the utility bills and interest is paid on the funds in that French bank account, then that income is subjected to an offshore penalty and the offshore penalties are up to 200%. The reason it's doubled is that there is now a, a common reporting standard that allows all the different jurisdictions around the world to exchange information on their residents and taxpayers. So it pays to declare all your 
rental income from the rent chateau in that example, as otherwise the penalties are double. As to how much it is between 0 and 200% of the tax depends upon the category of the country. HMRC have put on their website that there are three different categories and they have listed the countries that are in category one and they have listed the countries that are in category three. If your country is not on those two categories, by default you fall into category two. So for example, at random, if the matter involves a French bank account, then that's a category one country. Category one means that the maximum penalty is back to 100%. But by comparison, if the matter is in Cuba, that's defined as a category three country and can be a 200% penalty. So knowing exactly what the, the irregularity is, where it is committed, whether it is prompted or whether it is unprompted is vital because each of those behaviours need to be changed such that HMRC can rest assured that this taxpayer have put their hands up, they've corrected matters for the past and they've had at least this period of investigation six months or whatever it's taken so far to demonstrate that they are a reformed taxpayer and are now meeting their liabilities as and when they fall due and paying them. That is why they, they have financial penalties. The ultimate sanction, just for completeness, if it's not a civil matter, which is what I've been referring to all the way along, but HMRC consider it to be a criminal matter, then instead of a financial penalty of 100% or to 200%, the penalty is that you have potentially a custodial service. If you want any further explanations on any of the matters discussed, please contact me. If you've got any questions you want to ask me, my telephone number is 07979 313010 or contact me by email at paul at pmc.tax. Thank you for listening.